Flyover Footy. You are listening to us possibly on the Big 550 KTRS. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are going to dig in deep to the a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about FC Cincinnati today, but then we're going to go deep on on the Colorado Rapids game coming up. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of crossover, a lot of St. Louis crossover in and out of the game that we're going to touch on that are very obvious that are just, you know, we have to talk about. So we're going to dig in right now. uh, But first, let's introduce everybody. Matt Baker's here. Matt, how are you doing? Doing great. Excited for the upcoming match. Excited to come off a 5-1 win. It's just a good time. And sometimes it's just me and Matt. And then sometimes this we've got a special night tonight. We've got four people. We've got the full crew today. First of all, Santiago Beltran. How are you doing today, man? Doing great. Happy we have a full house for this podcast. Yes, yes. And the full house includes Stuart Holtgren. Welcome, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's so cool you could join us today. I do think we're going to talk about the Open Cup later, and we've been really uh, needing you to back us up on this one. So so welcome, man. Thanks for being here. First, we're going to talk about Cincinnati, though. Just a little bit, right? we got to limit ourselves today, uh, but it was a wonderful game, and we're going to enjoy talking about it some more. I know you guys might have heard fall over, uh, flyover fallout par- pardon me, um, earlier this week, but we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit so it, it can kind of lead us into the next game on Colorado on Saturday. Matt, do you want to get us started on maybe the, the lineup and, and kind of how the game went? Yeah, it it was a return to form for the lineup. It was a return to form in general for St. Louis, rolling out a 4-4-2 with Nelson, Hebert, Parker, Nerwinski, Leuven, Vasilev, Stroud, Alm, Klaus, and Joachini. It was the eighth different lineup as far as personnel goes, but it was the fifth time we've seen this 4-4-2, and it really seems like St. Louis has found a groove uh, carrying the 4-4-2 with Klaus and Joachini, and how that kind of allows everything else to fall into place. If you have those two up top, it gives you some flexibility in Stroud, Alm, Ostrak, Jensen, even Vasilev or Leuven up top in those attacking mids. And then our, our midfield is a little bit uh, more at ease, especially with the absence of Jabulu Blom, who before Cincinnati, we found out, was out for five to six weeks with a groin injury. So the way that this lineup kind of allowed itself to take shape and create chances was rather impressive. You had a lot of attacking involvement with Johnny Nelson. You had a lot of attacking involvement with Edward Leuven. You had success on set pieces. You had success in transition. You really checked a lot of the boxes that I had for our keys to the game that Santi and I went deep on on flyover fallout and it was exciting to do so against the at the time supporter shield leaders in fc cincinnati (laughs) absolutely Stuart, you gotta you gotta key in here um any thoughts on the lineup or even how the game flow went we don't have much time to talk so this is your chance to kind of talk about cincinnati no just a real quick shout out to uh john nelson uh what a match by him uh every match he's getting more and more impressive uh, he had some really cool, uh, you know, techies that uh, got shown online and um, clips. And that goal was just absolutely incredible that he set up. I mean, that's that's one where that's a 10 out of 10 game for me by uh, John Nelson. What do you think, Santiago? How'd the game go for you? No, great, great game for sure. It was great for me. It was great to see uh, Rasmus Alm doing so well. Yes assisting in a goal, participating in another one. Then uh, that own goal that uh, obviously because of the way it happened is an own goal, but basically it's his goal. So it was great to see him um, doing so well. He had been injured, 
previous games he had been uh, alternating uh, starting on the bench um, so it was great to see him having that performance and Carnell talked about Alm mentally being ready to go, so knowing what he was able to do coming off of his knee injury, and it just makes you even more excited about what he's going to be able to do carrying that forward. Yeah, and, and he was out for the games that we struggled. And I don't know if those two are connected, but we can't... That we can say Sounds like you're connecting them. There's a correlation, <laughs> which is a limited statement, and I'd like it to remain that way for now. Uh, but I think my, my only thing I'd like to ask you guys, because I think we have a few minutes to kind of talk, I'd like to just ask you, you know... The XG was was pretty close on this one, you know, and the the goals weren't, you know, there were a lot of deflections and kind of weird goals. One deflected off the goalkeeper's head into his own goal, you know what I mean? So, you know, was this a five-one win? Was it closer than that? Did we dominate? And does this prove anything about St. Louis SC more than the other games? I think it proves that we we can capitalize on opportunities when they're given. And Carnell had a quote today saying that he agrees with Pat Noonan's assessment, the FC Cincinnati coach and St. Louis native, that it wasn't a 5-1 scoreline in, in the way that the game really, the game flow reflected. But he says, we took our chances really well and that's what counted on the day. We reflected back positively on the performance, just try to repeat the performances of Portland and other successful away games, which we also had some rather low XG compared to when the goals that we put on the, on the scoreboard. So I think it just speaks to St. Louis able to put the ball in the net when we're in not the most opportune opportunities if, if that's a thing but it really means it really means things like nico joachini's goal where it is very quick there's no clear shot clear cut um path to a goal you have to be very technically savvy in what you're doing there same thing with uh jared stroud and edward leuven like those those hard strikes that they had off of uh, rebounds and second chances those are low xgs so you're scoring really good goals into the corners when the the XG and the stats say that it's not likely that you're going to score these. But we've seen consistency in their ability to do that on these kinds of shots. So you're going to see kind of an ebb and flow and an evening out of XG. But I do think St. Louis has a numerous amount of games in them where they're going to overperform their XG. I like those thoughts. It was a very balanced answer there from, from Matt. Santiago, what did you think about how close this game was? Does it say anything about St. Louis compared to the other games? So, yeah, uh, maybe that 5-1 scoreline, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't reflect what the game was. Um, obviously, City took all their, all their chances, converted uh, in most of them, but Cincinnati didn't create a lot of offense. They were in the box quite a few times, but they weren't shooting or creating uh, any dangerous opportunities. But to me, it shows that St. Louis can compete with the top teams uh, like uh, Cincinnati. So that was great to see. And yeah, the scoreline, uh, great. Uh, it's great to see the team uh, taking, the, taking advantage of the opportunities. But as Matt said, uh, those things, uh, could even out and there could be games with none of these five will go in so so yeah, it was great to see regardless it was great to see five goals from the team Stuart any last thoughts about the the game uh, I mean with how the crowd was how amped up everyone was uh, I it just didn't feel like this one was in doubt maybe I'm a little too optimistic on this one uh, but as soon as that first goal went in and people finally got to see it at home Thanks, Apple TV. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was just, it was St. Louis. And I, 
you know, things will go one way or the other, but it really felt like it was domination to me where it was Sandy said they they had possession and they had chances, but they never looked like they were really going to finish. And their one goal was really just, you know, cleanup goal when consolation goal when the game was well out of hand. And we even could have gotten a couple extra goals toward the end. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know how anyone can't be over the moon with that that game. There, no, I had no issues with that game. Everyone played awesome and just still on cloud nine. The other thing it had the advantage of is it allowed us with with the goal was scored with some substitutes in the game, but that's a positive in and of itself because we got a chance to see Isaac Jensen, Tomas Ostrak, Akia Watts, and for the first time all season. Selmir Pedro in the match, there it is. which is increasingly important over the next seven days, uh, seven to eight days, as we have three matches coming up. And so we're going to need some of these players who have only been getting 10, 20 minutes, or in Pedro's case, zero minutes. We're going to need them to be match fit in order to compete in these three games. I'm, ex- I'm so excited to talk about the rotation going forward, but if I can just key in a little bit about the Cincinnati game, just you guys, you left it wide open for me. I get to be positive. I don't have to be the devil's advocate here. Um, but yeah, the, the XG was, was close. Um, the scoreline was much different than the XG. But, you know, like the guys were in those places to score, and sometimes a lucky bounce is a lucky bounce, and sometimes it bounces and there's three pink shirts right there ready to score in this case gray actually they wore their grays so um you know i think in this one it was just one of those weird games where our hustle really paid off and our positioning really really paid off um and yes there were deflections but i you know i'm with stewart i was on cloud nine i felt like we really beat a quality team um, even though they were missing some key pieces, they're still a quality team that hustles just like we do. And so it felt good to, to beat them, um, a team that defends well, especially based on the last couple of games that we've had against really quality defensive teams. That was really encouraging for me. So um, those are my thoughts. Sometimes I kind of get to kick in here, uh, some of my thoughts. And um, we're going to move on to the next phase. You're listening to Flyover Footy on the Big 550 KTRS. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to touch on um, the press conference, some quotes that we got today. Santiago and Matt were both there. And so, Matt, would you like to kind of get us started on that? Yeah, and one of the things we learned today is an update on two of our injured players. So the big thing is uh, we're following Jabulu Blome, who at this point is still out for an estimated four to five weeks with a groin injury. We're still following Joachim Nilsson, our vaunted Swedish center back who has yet to play and is expected to be out until at least late May, but today we find out that Blome has been on a bicycle and Carnell had a very witty joke about he's on a stationary bike so he just didn't reach the training field, he kind of just stayed stationary. Joachim Nilsson is uh, on what Carnell called 100% body weight running, meaning he's not using any kind of technology to limit the amount of weight that he's, he's putting on himself. He can kind of run on his own now, which is a huge step for his knee. And the next step uh, for us we care about is his return. You know, it, we're, we hear he's going to be reevaluated late May, and all Carnell had to say is you have to ask the medical department for that one. Mm-hmm. So no update on uh, timetable for his return. Beyond that, uh, you know, it was a lot of it was a lot of looking ahead. And one of the a few of the quotes that we're going to get into here in a minute are relating to last year as we use a big opportunity that St. Louis City 2 had last year to inform how this coming weekend might go. 
So, Phil, do we want to get into the preview of Colorado and what City 2's importance was? Yeah, well, Santiago, did you want to say anything about the uh, the press conference today or anything you saw in training before we move on? No, no, we, we can we can go into uh, those quotes from the press conference when we oh, start call. reviewing this Colorado game, which I see here on the notes that it has a very particular name. <laughs> what is it, Matt? <laughs> Lead us in here, Matt. <laughs> How how can how, so we we have a rivalry with Colorado? Why why would we possibly have a rivalry with the Colorado Rapids of all team of all teams? It's the Cronky Classico. <laughs> I like alliteration, as everyone is who doesn't forced I, to know at this point. The guy who came up with flyover fallout, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I perfect, th- and it's it, it has a good ring to it. And it, it, it aptly describes why we why we care about this game. If, if it wasn't for this aspect to it. It would just be a first place team against an 11th place team. Yeah. It would be no different on the hype train than Real Salt Lake was. It would be that kind of a match. But this has that little extra pizzazz to it. It has that extra history to it that transcends soccer, that transcends sports to an extent. I don't, I'm preaching to the choir, I have no doubt, on everybody who's listening to this. But we all remember what happened with the St. Louis Rams, why they moved, and how they moved. It, it's not necessarily the concept of a sports team leaving because St. Louis has experienced that in our history. Team Cities experience that with clubs. It, it's a part of the, the issues that we have with sports in the United States and, and globally to an extent. But the way that he scorched earth St. Louis on his way out, cannot support more than two teams. The economic viability is is just in the tubes. The population is dwindling. It wasn't it, it went beyond sports. It was personal at that point for every single person who has civic pride in St. Louis. So for all the people who consistently say, and even after the Rams lawsuit was settled, for all the people who consistently say, get over it, like it's over, stop it. No, it's not, it never will be because mm-hmm. of the damage done to the civic pride of St. Louis. And it's always going to be a stain that exists for that man. When he has a a sports team that we get to go up against, it's a special, unique opportunity. And it doesn't matter if it's one-sided. doesn't matter. It's just how we feel and how we need to almost protect the honor of St. Louis, so to speak, on this national landscape. And yes, we're probably the only ones driving this narrative. It's not going to be talked about on MLS 360. It's not going to be talked about on Extra Time. But it's something that we care about because it's part of our history. Yeah, Stuart, I'm going to need you to to uh, join us on this one. What what are your thoughts on this game coming up here? Oh man, I I, I love uh, Stan Kroenke just like every St. Louis. <laughs> um, to be fair, Stan Kroenke <laughs> probably does not realize that he still owns the Colorado Rapids. Uh, Rapids are a MLS 1.0 uh, club. For people who don't know, they won the MLS Cup in 2010, I believe. Wow! Um, yep. And they've they their stadium was one of the first round of uh, soccer-specific stadiums that got built in MLS. They right around the time that Sporting built CMP, uh, Rapids built uh, Dick Sporting Goods Park. Uh, 2011, 2012 timeframe, they moved out of Mile High Stadium, and mm-hmm. at that point the rage was building stadiums not in the downtown area but in the uh suburban outlying areas and the whole idea was you have appeal more to the suburban soccer mom demographic uh and where a lot of mls 1.0 teams have kind of gotten a little stale uh rapids were for a while and now they seem to have a little bit of a rejuvenation in the last couple years but uh 
No, this is this is one like Matt said. Every single year that we play the Rapids, we will want to beat them. There's a little extra spice to it. Um, otherwise, yeah, they're just a a little bit more of an exciting team than Real Salt Lake every year in that Mount Rocky Mountain High club. Yeah, there's only one home game where I'm like, I'm making a sign for this one. And so I look forward to uh, a, some kind of cronky sign. I think maybe we need to get some help on what we should all bring for that game. But uh, I'm looking forward to it for sure. But, you know, that's not the only reason. I think things got a little spicier against the Rapids when City 2 played them in 2022 last year. Uh, we didn't just play the regular team. They brought in all the all the ringers. And, um, you know, it. I don't know if it went the way they expected. Matt, would you like to lead us off on this one? Yeah, and, and, and the reason we bring it up isn't just because it happened, but it was a, a centerpiece of the press conference today. Bradley mm-hmm. Carnell brought it up himself uh, from a, an unrelated question. And Carnell's quote to this is, it's a great challenge to go at it one more time against another opponent we know really well. Played against them at City 2 and MLS Next Pro as they rolled out their entire first team against us in an international window. He says, we have good memories of going down to Colorado. And Kyle Hebert, in his comments, he was very specific. So I, I tweeted out that he either watched tape on this or he has the most photographic memory of any man possible, probably both. Hebert saying they rolled out so many of the guys that we're going to see. We scored the first goal, thought that they were the better team in the first half. They had more possession, but that kind of fit our style. They scored in the second half. We scored right after, up two to one. And then they scored in, he called it like the 98th minute of five-minute stoppage. Basically, him and his team was also questioning if the game should have been called like we as fans were watching that um, and knowing that Next Pro has penalties. So they went, they won. And uh, he noted, too, that any given any given match can change because the Rapids 2 team ended up beating City 2 later that year at City 2's home game. But this is a this is clearly a game where there is history and it's a unique history because it's one of those we always reference back to City 2 as the building blocks of City. Quite literally, this match started in 2022 with City 2, where we on June 8th, we went over and we saw a lot of their first teamers. Jossie Zardes for, was on the Rapids at the time. He played in the game. Kellen you're, Acosta you're talking, was in. Kellen Acosta, Barrios, yeah. Yarbrough. I mean, Moore, all these guys who feature or Abu Bakar, all these guys who feature or will feature against us this weekend and you're, you're having an opportunity to scout this team against your system and your style that you played in that, them last year so there there's not a whole lot of turnover between style and system from the rapids last year so that's such a unique and interesting opportunity it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that they would spend so much time referencing back to it and likely watching the film Right. Yeah. Watching the film, it's still relevant, isn't it? And maybe more relevant since we're going to see a lot of the same guys. Santiago, any memories from that game that you have or if you want to lead into what we're going to see against them on this weekend? Yeah, not only playing against them, but uh, also playing in the altitude, although Carnell has basically Mm -hmm. not given much credit to that. He says, yeah, playing in the altitude doesn't really uh, impact um, the way we plan or do things. But uh, just having that experience, traveling to Colorado, playing in the altitude, and uh, playing against the first team, uh, I think it's uh, still relevant. Even though that was June 2022, um, Colorado didn't have a lot of turnover. So yeah, obviously some good takeaways from that game. And uh, for example, Kyle Heber was at that game, played the 90 minutes, and uh, he will probably play again 
this game. So so yeah, it's it's good to have uh, those points of reference from last from last season. It just happens with that with Colorado, it was basically the starting eleven or a big part of the starting eleven that they will have this year. It won't be the same thing with every team that City plays and that City to play last year, but it just happens that Colorado did that and it's just an extra element for this crunky classical. Indeed. Yeah, and we're we're looking at like where they are at the table. I think Matt's gonna kinda fill us in on that, but you know, comparing that to it's really interesting that we did so well against their first team and then we lost to them at home against just their second team. And so you know, it's interesting that Yes, this team isn't super special. They've been pretty good as of late, which we're about to hear about. Uh, but could we, could they put up a good fight and could we lose away in this one, Matt? Uh, can you fill us in on, on some of the information, kind of the background information on, on those thoughts? Yeah, so coming into this match, you know, we touched on how we were in form after Cincinnati. So coming into this match, St. Louis sits first place in the entire league. We're the Supporter Shield leaders after eight matches. We have 18 points and a six win, two loss, zero draw record. We're 3-1-0. That's three wins, one loss on the road. And we have a plus 11 goal differential going into this. We've scored 20 goals and only allowed nine. Colorado, on the other hand, sit 11th in the West. They have seven points with one win, three losses, and four draws. They have not won yet at home. And they have a minus five goal differential, having only scored five goals in their eight matches. Uh, one thing to note, though, is with that goal differential, Seattle, the first week of the season, Seattle dropped four goals on the Rapids. And since then, the Rapids have only allowed two goals twice. And they haven't lost a game in over a month since March 18th. That's the last time they lost a match, which means their last three have been a 2-2 tie last week against Charlotte, where they came from behind... They had a one nothing win. Their only win of the season two weeks ago came at Sporting Kansas City. And they had a, a nil-nil draw against LAFC, which is huge, honestly. LAFC yeah. is the presumptive best team in the league. They sit right below us uh, with a game in hand in the, in the standings. But to be able to blank LAFC was rather impressive. And the last thing I'll say on here is a quote from Bradley Carnell where he's saying Colorado's unbeaten in their last four games. They've come up with a style and a structure to be competitive and combative at the same time. Nil-nil against LAFC, fought their way back with Charlotte. Colorado's conceded one more goal, has one more clean sheet than St. Louis, but they also look at the eye test. Carnell looks at the eye test at seeing how can you gain advantages against a deep-lying opponent, not unlike a Minnesota. And, and so knowing what Colorado is going to do and how they blanked LAFC, looking back at how we can look at our away matches against Portland, where Carnell seemed to allude to a similarity to how Portland played. You're looking to all of those now historical opportunities on how did teams in MLS play against you. So so we're not playing teams a second time, but we're able to play similar systems multiple times now in MLS, where we're starting to gain mm -hmm. that same type of knowledge that we've been saying teams now have uh, film on us. And so it goes both ways. And that's going to be interesting to see if we can do against Colorado what we did against Cincinnati, which is take a defensively sound team and run them through the coals. Yeah, and to kind of like add a cherry on top of what you just said, 
but can Colorado also do what Minnesota and Seattle did to us? You know, and so yeah. I think you know, Stuart. Let's 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 pass to you on this one because as a Fulham fan, USA fan, I dare say, and a St. Louis FC fan, you're no, you're not new to you know the trappings of what can go wrong in a game if a goal is scored and and no one's able to come back. So, Stuart, what do you think about this game as far as yes? Colorado is kind of lower in in the in the charts, uh, but you just never know what's going to happen on a given day. Yeah, any any given Sunday, as they say in uh, NFL terms, uh, you never know what's going to happen in ninety minutes. Uh, you could get a, a bounce wrong. You could have a an errant back pass that just completely offsets the whole you know feel of the whole game. Uh, they score first, or what happened when uh, we played? It was Rapids two, City two last year. That that home leg. Uh, they got a penalty in the first minute of that match. And uh, City 2 was by far the better team that whole match. And Rapids 2 pulled out three points. And, you know, that that happens. And those are the really, really frustrating games that you you play every year and you look back and they kind of dig under you. But ultimately, if you have a game like that, you, you have to learn from it and build on it. And if that's what happens with Colorado this weekend, I know this team has the right kind of leadership with Tim Parker and Roman Berkey to learn from that. And, um, but let's just not get there. Let's just put five <laughs> up on them again and uh, bury this early. Five. Ooh, I like that. Let's repeat it. I love it. Five every week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, I know we've got some stats perhaps coming up. Where would you like to go next? Yeah, I think um, knowing how MLS views this is interesting, too. So it it seems obvious the first place team against the 11th place team. But coming into this, as far as a respect factor in in national circles, the power rankings are a good indicator. St. Louis being third in the power rankings and Colorado being 20th in the league, 20 out of 29 teams. With Colorado, the the thing that nationally they're saying is it's, it's four straight unbeaten for the Rapids. Things currently don't seem nearly as bad as they did a few weeks ago, even if they still only have one win on the year. And that kind of goes to their current run of form, which just like Cincinnati, they're not creating many chances. They're not they're not finishing the chances they do create. They are massively underperforming their XG. They have five goals on the year that I mentioned. Well, their XG is nearly identical to St. Louis City's in around ten and a half. Mm. So knowing that there is knowing that there is that discrepancy, I think speaks two things to what st louis really will need to do and it's prevent good chances from occurring but also really preventing any chances so colorado has been really bad at finishing and and they're you would think at some point they would regress to the mean which means they would just start dropping boatloads of goals the idea being that if city can protect in transition a low block team that's not going to be throwing everybody at our defensive end all the time like we will be for them then you can kind of play the play the lanes and play the different zones in your defensive third, trying to take away some of those opportunities for them to counterpunch or counterattack. And and the other thing with St. Louis in in the power rankings being that St. Louis is has kind of back on track as far as the national narrative, meaning they they drove FC Cincinnati into the ground five one they say, and it was one part luck, one part keeping their foot on the gas. So it's still that tongue in cheek. Oh, they're they're the expansion team. Things are dropping right for them, but at the same time, you can't discount a five-one win against the top team in the league at the time on any level. And so, 
with with that in mind, I think St. Louis just has to continue to play their style. And we heard Bradley Carnell say too today that the last two games, last two days of training have been what he calls the best two days of training of the entire season. Hmm. So knowing that we, we've gotten back on track to have the confidence back from last from last week, the boys are taking that into training each one of these days and they're having this kind of success they're they're having that jovial attitude so to speak amongst each other working hard when they need to um there's a lot of positive things that you can see going into this match whereas when we went into minnesota and this is my last thing before i turn it over when we went into minnesota we were coming off of five wins we were also coming into a three-game stretch that everybody knew was going to be the toughest three-game stretch of our entire season Hmm. we we hit that stretch hard we got slapped in the face we learned a lot about how to attack and how to go about playing these teams. One of them was a very hard-fought, um, really dirty game against Minnesota where it could have gone either way. The other, we just did not play our style of soccer. We let them control. We played our, our style. We tailored it to the opposition. And then we got back on track playing to our strengths against Cincinnati, and we were able to control the ball. We need to keep on that front. And we know how to do it in a similar style, like I said, against Minnesota. So it will be it'll be highly interesting to see if we can actually stick with our game plan. And the last thing I'll say is they say if you get 42 points in MLS, then you don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> don't jinx it. Well, I think you got to finish that. your thought. Now. Go ahead. <laughs> OK, OK. I, I had it on the notes and I knew you, I knew somebody was going to yell at me for this. <laughs> It, they say if you get 42 points, then you're you're into the MLS Cup playoffs. You're good as a playoff team, which there are nine playoff teams in each uh, conference. St. Louis currently needs just 24 points from the remaining 26 games to reach that 42-point threshold. Now, that is a far cry, uh, narrative-wise, from supporter shield leaders to just making the playoffs. Hmm. So if, right. we, if we regress to that point, there will be a lot of disappointed people, but... Perspective is key when you're going into these these matchups where you're away against a defensively sound team. You don't know if you're going to win or lose. Like, keep the big picture in mind here. Love that. Really, really good stuff there. And and this is from, you know, from us even before the season started. We weren't even sure if playoffs were a, a real manageable goal but here we are that sounds very manageable uh despite santiago's worries about jinxing ourselves here uh but santi's the santi's the angel on my shoulder who i should have listened to instead of putting that in perhaps yeah no one hopefully no one's recording this in case things go wrong um (laughs) really awesome stuff there matt because one of the my favorite things you said there i just want to review that you got that Colorado has the same XG as St. Louis. That's like an interesting uh, thing to consider. And so several of the thoughts there that you brought up that I really enjoyed. Um, If you're listening to us, this is Flyover Footy. We are a podcast that covers St. Louis soccer. We stream live on Thursday nights. If you'd like to join us on pretty much every uh, social place you'd like to find us, you can join us in the chat. We have a podcast feed you can hear this on with extended footage after. But right now, you might be listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS. The game, if you're listening to us on the radio, the game is just an hour away, just about. So we thank you for joining us, and hopefully we can inform you a little bit more before this game starts. Maybe we can take a short, quick break here, Santiago and Stuart. I'd like to hear your thoughts on what you think about this game, what it might look like. Santiago, let's start with you. Any kind of key thoughts that you think might be for St. Louis going into this game against Colorado Rapids? Yeah, so initially, 
to me, when I was thinking about it early in the week, um, definitely is one of those that you could see as a trap game, just because Colorado uh, is in is in that 11 position. And uh, I have a funny story for you guys. I had a chance to uh, talk to Bradley Carnell earlier in the week, and uh, basically I say so going from Cincinnati being as first place to play in Colorado, who they are not doing that well. And right away, he was like, so they are undefeated the last four games, and they have more clean sheets than us. Hmm. So I wouldn't say that they aren't doing well. I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Uh, so that was very interesting. Um, and uh, we, but we had a good chat, and at the end, uh, he he was like, "I hope you don't take it the wrong way." That I, I was like challenging you and and trying to make a point, and I actually loved that because because it's be, it's better conversation, and uh, basically next time I can basically think, okay, maybe he's gonna take it this other way, so kind of think more about the way um, I ask things, but. Uh, it was great. I, I like that he respects Colorado and uh, he doesn't think about, oh, yeah, they are 11 and have only won one game. And that win was about sporting KC, which is the way all of us would probably think about it. Or a lot of people will think about it. But uh, he he's taking the game very seriously. And uh, even the players, when you talk to them, same thing. So it's great to see the team uh, approaching it game by game. and having that respect for uh, every opponent. So I really like that. But but yeah, I think the team, um, yeah, even though it looks like a trap game and things like what happened with CD2 last year playing against Colorado, that they scored in the first minute and then the team couldn't get back into it. Those things can happen, but I, I'm still confident that um, CD will get a, a good result against Colorado. Yes, I do. Oh, go ahead. Let me let me jump in on one thing Santi just said, and that was how Carnell kept um, pivoting the conversation towards the good things about Colorado. Hmm. If there's one thing, like one main theme takeaway that I have from these press conferences is that Carnell goes so deep, and you would expect him to, into what is positive and what the the key to um, respecting your opponent is. And, and every single one of these matches where we find a Minnesota, we find uh, a Real Salt Lake, we find a, a Charlotte, you know, any one of these where we look at the, the stats on surface level, we look at the standings and we think we go deep. But Carnell always surprises me when he has these, these stats and these little nuggets of information in his back pocket that he almost uses in those conversations where you come in and you feel like you're ready and you have this this narrative of of what the story can or should be. And he just tends to destroy that with this knowledge drop. And it's, it's continually impressive that he's quick thinking on his feet and he's able to immediately shift your perspective into why a first place versus an 11th place team is far from a, an expected cakewalk. I, I always, I've, I've learned to appreciate that so much. And he had a, he had a, a thought about Klaus that I want to get into later um, that's just I, I've enjoyed that. 
Yeah, I respect Carnell in so many different ways, and uh, same for you, Santiago. I love your mentality. Is like yeah. call us out. Let's let's talk about things that maybe we thought was one way. I'd love to hear the opposite thought process there. So I, I love that you enjoy that as well, Stuart. Any thoughts from you about this game coming up? Anything you'd like to say? Uh, one thing that I just noticed that might be uh, might play in is Brian Acosta is on his. Uh, fourth yellow card of the season so he's one away from a suspension with the yellow card accumulation which i believe MLS still does five for the first suspension and then a suspension after the next three yellow cards mm-hmm. um that's what it used to be at least uh so uh curious to see if he lays off the gas slightly or plays a little bit uh less aggressively this match um because their next mls match is against vancouver and maybe that's one that they try to focus on and get a few more points out of. Um, but they also have an open, open cup match coming up against uh, uh, Colorado uh, Derby against the uh, Northern Colorado Colorado uh, Hailstorm. Hailstorm, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> the USL League One team. So uh, hopefully they will win. That would be fun to see them advance. Yeah. Always rooting for David over Goliath, right? <laughs> except for in one one circumstance. Except for, except for when we're when we're Goliath. Um, Matt, we've got a lot of information we could cover here, and so I'm going to give you the the ladies' choice here. What would you like to kind of move to next? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's go injuries. Let's talk injuries. And from Colorado's perspective, um, there I'm I'm reading up on their injury report. They have uh, a suite of players who are hurt and questionable. Is Steven Baltashar, uh, other questionable is Brian Galvin, out. Cole Bassett's out. Um, Moise Bambito's out. Jack Price, we know, is out. Abraham Rodriguez. There's one more that's a very interesting out for them, but for a different reason. And I'll I'll let Stu take that one. Oh, uh, Dentuma Torre was uh, waived by Colorado Rapids today. And that was so he was a younger, homegrown player, 18 years old. Uh, kind of looked as a up-and-coming player in their organization. Uh, he played for Rabbits 2 last year, and he tore his ACL last August uh, for Colorado, and he hasn't played since. And the official reason he was let go was for personal reasons, but some Rapids fans are saying that it was kind of a classless move by a Kroenke-owned club, which shock there. So, uh, yeah, no, that's a little bit of a surprise. You never want to see your young guys still only 18 years old uh, leave your club for whatever reason. Yeah, and and I want to say, too, that this is perfect. I'm glad I got to talk about this. Jack Price is a guy that was, like, Mm -hmm. famous for being just a stunner in, uh, in the USL championship. And honestly, he moved up to Colorado, and it didn't take him long to become the same thing for them. And so he's a central midfielder that kind of runs the show, um, has a, a good engine, almost like a Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton, oh my goodness. Louis Hilton, right? El Motor. I remember that more El than same. How Lu- can you forget about El Motor? No, I mean, that's what I'm saying is I, I should have just said that because I was blanking on his first name. And I remember El Motor. But, El Motor, not El Tiny Puppy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Jack Price, great player. He's out as well. Um, Bombito is a Generation Adidas center back, um, and they play with three center backs. Cole Bassett is someone that should have been something amazing for them. He hasn't been amazing yet, but, you know. Cole Bassett's an interesting one, though, and, and him being out, I think, 
is a big deal for for the Rapids. He was they only they don't have a player who has more than one goal on their team, and Cole Bassett has one. Um, so having him out in the midfield, I think, is a pretty big loss. He's the third highest rated player on their team from a game by game basis. That that to me is probably their biggest loss on their injury list uh, as far as. Who would have been a danger to City this weekend? Just came back from loan on loan from Feyenoord in yeah. the the Dutch league Eredivisie. So you know, quality player there, um, and we wish him the best as Americans, of course. But uh, a big loss for them. Matt, anything else we need to cover here? We got plenty of time if you want to. Do Rapids a are pretty. Rapids are pretty healthy. Otherwise, um, I think some of the key information to know about Colorado is. I mentioned that their their XG is a lot higher than their their goals scored, but as far as situationally, they have the lowest expected goals off of set pieces in the entire league, and they have zero goals scored off of set pieces through eight games. Hmm. That's that's hugely important because uh, set pieces have historically been a little bit of a question mark for St. Louis, and to know that that's a weakness of Colorado is helpful. Um, St. Louis also, while while we have 84 high turnovers forced, we're second in the league in that. Meaning, uh, in in the attacking third, as we as we maybe turn the ball over or are on defense, we force turnovers in the second highest rate in our attacking third. We've created 18 shots off that, and we have three goals. A lot of those are familiar with the the quote unquote back passes. Colorado, on the other hand, only has 54 high turnovers forced. That's 30 less. They have seven shots created and zero goals off of them. So this plays into what Carnell had said about a lot of the time Colorado might turn the ball over. uh, It's in their defensive third. So if you think about how those two stats juxtapose against each other and how it, it plays into Carnell's statement of Colorado, when they turn the ball over, they do it in their defensive third. That's huge for us. That creates those opportunities to do what we've been doing best, force high turnovers, create chances off of those, and really put ourselves in good position with Klaus, Joachini, and you would presume um, Alm or Stroud to, to finish a lot of those. So when I look at when I look at what could end up happening here, I could easily see another scenario where there's a low XG just based on how we would create some of these transition shots off of high turnovers forced. But at the same time, we've shown a propensity to be able to finish those. And and that kind of leads me to one thing I want to say about finishers being Klaus. So it's noteworthy to me that Klaus is still tied for third in goals in the entire league with five, but he hasn't scored a goal in the last four games. The last time Klaus scored was when he dropped two on Ralph Salt Lake. And so I asked Carnell about that where last week Nico Joachini gave us a quote that was talking about the strikers mentality. And we covered that on here, looking at the the confidence and in the zone and how a striker is very fickle in in their form. And as national team fans, we know so well how an informed striker can change everything. When you're not informed, everything's in flux. Mm-hmm. So I asked Carnell about is is it anything you think of with Klaus having gone four games without goals, but yet able to be one of the league leaders in goal contributions because while he's not scoring himself he's facilitating for everybody he's still top of the league in goal contributions and we saw that to a t with two assists against fc cincinnati and carnell's response to me is again taking another lesser known stat and tossing it back as a reason why uh, my thought process was not necessarily wrong because i wasn't implying that he is an issue for not scoring goals but carnell said Klaus is number one in the league in possessions in the opposition box. 
If you think about possessions in the opposition box with the stats that I just gave about high turnovers forced and in our attacking third, Klaus is number one in the league in possessions in the opposition box. Carnell goes on to say he's now trying to find little angles and moments and that a striker rides on waves of emotion. The best strikers in the world have a sense of, I want to be the guy scoring the goal. And he also mentioned how Klaus has the highest sprint meters out of anyone in the team against that last match against Cincinnati. And he, he, he caught himself here. He caught himself saying from a DP center forward who has the right to, and I think he was going to imply that Klaus at that, at that stature could argue that he has a right to walk around or not hustle every single moment. And how many times have we seen a DP striker do that? But instead, he, he changed his mindset to say, Klaus is someone who's totally bought into what we're doing. Yeah. He gets himself into a fitness point where he can last the full 90 now, and he's sprinting back to set pieces for the betterment of the team. He's putting the team first over himself, and it's only a matter of time before he gets rewarded again. I love hearing announcers gush over Klaus's defending and his sprinting. It's my one of my favorite things in a in a game. Um, I just want to add one stat to yours because it backs you up even more, Matt. Um, I would say Rapids are middling in all of their stats, practically all of them, yep. except they're really bad. They're third to bottom of the league in interceptions and dual percentage. I didn't dig as deep as you. Those are very natural, normal stats, but it backs up everything else you said about them losing the ball in bad spots. They really fit our style as far as we we fit them rather so it, it should go well for us if, if we play the way that we should and the way that the season has been laying it out for them to play as well yeah. um, I think it's time to do um, guesses on projections on what we think is going to happen Stuart would or sorry Stuart, Santiago is what I meant to say Santiago would you like to lead us off on kind of a uh, guess at the formation and score and then we're out of here Every, all of us will do this sure Sure. Uh, Formation-wise, I don't see any changes. I think it's going to be the same team that beat Cincinnati, sticking with the 4-4-2 with Klaus and Joaquini up front. And in terms of a score, I'm going to go out of what I usually do for away games. Uh, usually, at least for the first few games, I my prediction had, had been always a tie, which Worked well for the first three games because City won, but then the, the fourth game against Seattle, we know what happened. So I'm going to go with City 2-1. to one. Okay. Stuart, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to also go with City 2-1, to one, and I'm going to say John Nelson and Akil Watts as the goal scorers. Oh, Akil Watts. Okay. Do you think he'll play in the midfield mm-hmm. in this one? Uh, I'm going to say he's going to sub on. Yeah, I like that. Matt, what do you think? I do think we're going to stick with a 4-4-2. I had the exact same lineup. Um, one thing I was wondering is I, I think Carnell's, Carnell's – the only reason I wouldn't say 4-4-2 is Carnell had some allusions to or alliterations to the Portland game where we ran a 4-2-3-1 with Leuven up top. But I don't think – I don't think that we're at a point where we can sit Nico Joachini. I just don't see a way to take him out of the lineup. And, I, and the way that – Alm, Stroud, Jokini, and Klaus performed that last game. I don't think you sit any of them. I think you you keep Ostrock in your back pocket. You keep uh, Miggy Perez in your back pocket as some of those game changers that could come in. Uh, same with Selmer Pedro and Akil Watts. They're going to need more minutes as they get ready to gear up for a likely Open Cup transition and rotation. Uh, but I, I think we stick with that 4-4-2. And for a final score, I'll say 2-2-1 um, as well. And I think we'll go... 
We'll go with Klaus getting on the books. I do think I think this is his match to bounce back. And I'm I'm still riding that Indiana Vasilev goal. I keep I keep mm. thinking this is the game for him. And he had a, he had he was a, a guest on Tom Timmerman's podcast. And Timmerman is so far two and zero with guests on his podcast scoring goals. Oh. So I'm gonna ride that bump. I love that. That's interesting. So I'll just say that I think it's going to be three to one. I would love to see an Ostrak goal. I've been waiting for it all year. Uh, I know there's been one, but anyway, I want I want more from him. And um, I think same lineup, the similar lineup to what we saw last week. Who knows about the wingers because they rotate so much. But I think if it's someone that we think might need minutes um, for development reasons, all those guys are going to be saved for the Open Cup. So I'm not worried about young players or players that need minutes. I'm worried about starters and winning this weekend. So that's my thoughts. And we're all at a time. So we got to sign out here. We are Flyover Footy. Thank you so much for joining us today. You might be listening to us on the big 550 KTRS. Enjoy the game, everybody. Let's go St. Louis City for the win. Go City. Vamos. <laughs> You want me to bring in the second half? By I'm recording, so that we're started. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to the wind down, everybody. We're gonna talk about Tam now. <laughs> we had a question in in chat as we were doing our first uh, first segment. Matt thinks he can do it in three minutes. Ready, set, go. All right, so we MLS got three minutes. Yeah, let's do it. MLS has a salary cap, and it's about 5.2 million uh, right now. It, it's gonna grow each year with a CBA agreement. Uh, the 5.2 million is a hard dollar salary cap, so that's how much you can actually spend on players when you're talking about the, the dollars on the books. So MLS also has these fake money systems that only exist in MLS that allow you to spend up to around 10 or 11 million dollars in real money. But if you pay a player, for instance, a million dollars, so the player receives a million dollars, you you take $500,000 of TAM targeted allocation money and you put that down on the player's budget charge so that on the salary books, the player is only costing your team $500,000 against that 5.2 million actual salary cap. So each team gets a bucket of money, GAM and TAM. General allocation money is flexible. You can spend it on anything, any type of player. You can spend it on a low dollar player. You can spend it on a high dollar player. You can spend it on a player who's making the maximum salary. TAM is only available on players who are making more than the max salary. Max salary in MLS is about $651,250. So if a player is making more than $651,250, but less than the max TAM, which there is a maximum TAM, the most amount of money you can pay a player without them being a designated player, is $1,651,250. So a million on top of that. So you can use TAM in that space between the max player charge and the 1 million plus the max charge. GAM is you can use it on anything. And so we're seeing a shift into MLS teams getting more GAM and less TAM because it's more flexible. And you can also trade this within MLS only. You're gonna see trades that happen of $200,000 in GAM for an international roster slot. So you're trading an MLS mechanism for another MLS thing in an international slot, which is creating artificial scarcity around international players in MLS. I think that wraps it up. That was way less than three minutes. That was basically two that minutes. That was impressive. It was two. It was two minutes, or maybe a little over. I didn't stop start the stopwatch until a few <laughs> seconds into it. But yeah, it was probably two minutes, two o five. 
I, well I, done, Matt. Sometimes yeah. I sometimes I black out when I'm talking, and so <laughs> there was a there's a moment where I'm like, I think I'm getting too in the weeds here, but I got to keep going, otherwise it's all gonna fall apart. And the good thing about it being two minutes is you can listen to it five times, and it's still only been ten minutes. So I almost okay, made the joke that, like, okay, Matt, this time in English. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we can go back to our regularly scheduled. Uh, uh, discussion on Colorado and Open Cup stuff now. Well, uh, Jonathan Himmelberg, that was, so that was asked by Zachary Johnson. So thanks for that question, Zachary. Thanks, um, we actually have a MLS 201 show. Go back and look for that one because it's really good about explaining that if you really want to get into the weeds on it. But shameless self promotion too. That was the show that they touted in STL Mag when they did that podcast feature mm-hmm. that they had us in. They were like, "That's that's the show to get started on." So MLS 201 that we did. Um, I believe last fall, Phil, that was, I, I was really proud of that. Yeah. I was about to be like, thanks Matt Baker for how good that show was. <laughs> it was all Matt. But, uh, Jonathan Himmelberg also asked if we, I love this question. If we wanted to see more depth added to the roster, what position do you think we need it most? Someone asked this on Twitter too. It might be the same guy. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, he made the good caveat, like ignore how good everyone's been forget, you know, hurting someone's feelings because, you know, we got to put that aside. We all love this team and we think everyone's been amazing so far, but where would you guys add depth to the roster? I was thinking about this one earlier and I'll just make mine quick and let you guys talk. I immediately thought of right back. Um, and now it's because I I'm looking at if we assume full health from everybody, like I don't need, we don't need to add a center back. We don't, I don't think we even need to add a defensive midfielder because Blom is going to be there, but I don't really know beyond Akil Watts, who we would have at right back. And Akil Watts is also a really good central midfielder. So there's there's flexibility in what Watts has, but there's not really a high-quality right back depth to me that's strictly right back and has that expertise in that attacking fullback role that I, I feel we would need, like a Selmer Pedro has to back up Johnny Nelson. Every other spot I can see almost too deep. Like up top, we, we can run one up top with Klaus and then Joe Keeney. We can run two up top. And and I guess at that point, you're dropping down to Sam and Denneron, which we haven't really seen much on. So maybe that's another. But in the middle, we're just so overloaded with middle talent between Stroud, Ostrock, Alm, Jensen, and Celio Pompeu, who is – he needs a goal himself, and Carnell has said as much. So right back and I guess maybe striker. What do you think, Santiago? I, I – Matt already said a striker, but yeah, that that was my first thought. I will get a striker. You never know uh, if there is an injury, if Klaus is out for a few games, or Joaquin is out for a few games. Even Adenaran, who who hasn't had a lot of minutes, but but he's like that guy that will go uh, late in the game. If one of them get injured, it'll be great to uh, have uh, another piece uh, in there. Stuart. I'm going to go right back. Uh, striker, we definitely need, I think, another player. And I think the hope is you can pick one up in the summer. Uh, right back, we really, Owen O'Malley, I think, was the intended heir to that right back. Uh, but to be blunt, no one on City 2 has been really impressive so far this season compared to last season. Um and he hasn't been playing right back either. No. He's been playing all over the field on the left side even. And he hasn't always he's, started he's either. Back and forth. He's done uh, yeah. left and right back. Maryville yeah, he, in yeah. preseason he yeah. was right back. But, yeah, he's he's done left back primarily during the regular season. And I think Sergio Rivas has been 
uh, kind of playing that right wing back. Yeah. So maybe maybe he's an emergency guy. I mean, he would, of course, have to take up a contract roster spot. Um, Akil Watts, Josh Yarrow, I guess, would be the emergency one. Jo- or Matt, you mentioned him a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, he has experience there. It wouldn't shock me if a guy like uh, Lucas Bartlett, uh, with his speed, mm. if we have an emergency <laughs> situation, gets put put on the right side. Hmm. Um, you you but, know, yeah. sorry, one thing, really, we're talking about emergency on the right side. Uh, Santi, do you remember Jared Stroud in the in his uh, comments today mentioning that he can play a right wing back position? And Celio's done it, too. Yeah, yes. Celio's done it, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, uh, yeah. Hearing Stroud talk about how he can play that right side kind of just in front of a Jake Nerwinski type was really interesting in how if we're in a pinch, he could yeah. be flexible over there. Yeah, and definitely Celio can play there too. Oh, yeah. Especially if you if you have three in the, if you go with uh three center backs, Celio can we can be uh that guy on the right. So and he uh, did in preseason. Yeah. He he did that at least yeah. one game in preseason. And he, I yeah. think he's played left wing back in one time where we threw an extra center back on or something like that at the end of it, one of the MLS games, even MLS proper. Uh, but you know, I gotta say while I can that I've been meaning to post this clip. I'm gonna find it and do it tomorrow. I think if I can. But that clip where Celio makes a defensive move, like just battles and duels a guy in this last game in the almost the right back position. And then dribbles down the field, like gets around a few people. It's toward the end of the game, so I am going to post it. I'm glad you guys aren't like jumping on, like saying, "Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." My goodness, that man has some moves, and he puts in effort on duels. Like I love watching that guy. I I really think he's really quality. And I hope he continues to grow and get more minutes. So, was this was this you at the end of the FC Cincinnati match? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, was it the one where Klaus shot but could have passed over to him? Nope, it was after okay. that, I think. Uh, he actually kind of got pushed away from goal and tried oh, okay. to cross it, and it got blocked out at the okay. end. Yeah. I, yeah, I know, I know he, what you're talking about. You he know. was fairly open in the center of the box yeah. on one Klaus. <laughs> Klaus took 1v2. I talked about that in yeah. the DMs, where it's like, yeah. he should have passed, yeah. but... The striker yeah, wanted yeah. the goal. It, we were up yeah. five to one, and he wanted to get. I, I don't. It, that's the striker's mentality. I don't blame him for a yeah. second on that one. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. Um, kind of going ahead. Looking forward to seeing uh, Celio uh, getting more minutes on Tuesday in Open Cup. I would think he he will be a starter there. I think so too. I'd like to see him start actually and get rewarded. I hope. Uh, Joseph Iliff asks, Joseph, thanks for joining us again, man. I love when you're able to join us and ask some questions. How does the coaching staff handle bringing in substitutes with the upcoming U.S. Open Cup match? New players at halftime or just rotate? I mean, I'm I'm excited to see this rotation, actually, and I hope it goes a few rounds in. Uh, what do you guys think? I think you bring them in at, at need. Um, you have some of your first teamers on the bench, and uh, you, you don't want to bring in Klaus, you don't want to bring in Alm unless Leuven. you have to, or Leuven. They sit on the bench. Uh, but if Union Omaha are taking it to us, which they could, they're a very good team, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we can't take them lightly, then maybe they get subbed in at the 60th minute and they get 30 minutes to kind of turn the match around. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, Santi, I'd love to see Celio on the right, Isaac Jensen on the left, um, Big Sam up top. Uh, kind of a, a a B team, B plus team. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just wondering, um, Tomas Ostrak, 
like assuming that we stick with the same lineup that we had uh, against Cincinnati when we go to Colorado, Ostrock has only been seeing like 20 minutes, 30 minutes maybe. And mm-hmm. so he hasn't he hasn't been getting a run out. And I know we're wanting to see a lot of Salio, but I could ease I could just as easily see a four two three one come out against Omaha that has um, starting from the top. It has Sam. It has. Jensen and Pompeu, but it also has Ostrock at the 10. I could easily I like that, that one. Agree. Yeah, and Ostrock and uh, Jensen had a lot of great chemistry last yes. year with City, too. So that would be, yeah, a good, good combination to see again. The only downside it, is that Azil, like Azil could use some minutes on a, on a higher level as well. It'll uh, City 2's match on Sunday against Colorado Rapids 2 will be interesting for that yeah. because if Azil gets a run out, a, a significant run out against them. That's just an uh, extra day closer to Tuesday that yeah. he might yeah. not even be available if he goes full. Mm-hmm. Good point. Sounded like you were going to go f- deeper, Matt, if you deeper in the lineup, deeper into the midfield, actually. Yeah. So I, I was thinking, um, Leuven, you, I agree. Won't, you should not run him out in the open cup. Um, Indiana Vasilev, I could, it depends on how early he leaves. If he leaves against Colorado, uh, but I'm thinking more of a Miguel Perez and an Akil Watts in that role, or Miguel Perez and do we even Indiana? have another? I guess it might have to be right, like yeah, because the depth that Carnell referred to when Blom went out was Leuven, Vasilev, Perez, and Watts in the midfield. Yeah, Here's, but if we yeah. if Go we ahead. do that, if we do that, if we run Akil Watts in the midfield against Omaha, then. Do we have another right back for Jake Nerwinski, or could we look at a situation like you were? You guys were just talking about where you're having a Selmer Pedro on the left, you're having um, Lucas Bartlett and John Bell and Josh Yarrow. Yeah. So assuming assuming full rotation, which to, to one thing I forgot about um, is Kyle Hebert mentioned today, uh, or maybe Carnell mentioned it. Kyle Hebert played all three matches last year for City Two around that Louisville Open Cup match. So he played the yeah. weekend before, he played against Louisville, and he played the weekend after, all 90 minutes of all matches. So it's not unheard of for a player of his stamina and caliber to play all three of these matches, especially a defender who we have, in our system, historically been um, keen to leave on the field. I think it's fine. And I, I've heard a lot of pros talk about when they're doing Premier League. I know this is higher level, but it's applicable when they're in the premier league and they're playing premier league and then champions league premier league champions league like they just play every three games they don't always even practice in between and they just they do it it's just normal it's considered normal for a soccer player at least it was um but i want to bring up a big point here um i kind of thought well do we you were talking about the midfield do we blood schneider uh in mls finally and um then i think it leads us to and i know i didn't do research on this i was going to and then i thought I saw Stuart posted about this. Matt's usually on top of it. Roster rules for the Open Cup versus MLS. Can we pull up Schneider? And maybe you guys can dig into this a little bit. Uh, yeah, we should be. Uh, I believe the roster rules, you just have to be roster compliant with your parent club. And he's on loan. But since he's on loan under an MLS contract, I believe he should be eligible to play in the U.S. Open Cup. Would it mess up anything with the season-long loan? That's the gray area, though. We we would have to recall him from loan to be roster eligible with his parent club. That's how I understood it. And then would that mess up our extra Bartlett call-in roster space, right? The the gray area that I don't know is 
Schneider is on official loan. Like with that official loan comes his his international slot, and so we currently have two free with him on loan. When if we were to recall him, like I don't know the flexibility in recalling from an official loan to an affiliate club for the year because we could conceptually recall him and then send him right back on loan after the Open Cup, and it would free up because because really at the end of the day we need that extra roster slot, uh, international slot rather for the summer transfer window. Mm. So if we have that ability to recall him and then send him back on loan to free that roster slot up before the summer transfer window, it's fine. It's all a wash. But if we don't, if we if we recall him and he has to stay and that's that one time loan and, it, and it's over after you recall, that's an issue. We need I'm to missed. get Josh Hakala or uh, Jake Silic of uh, yeah. the Cup US on here to answer some of these questions. I'm actually going to see if Josh has time for us next Monday or Tuesday, so we'll we'll try to get that going. What what I would really want to know is more on the uh, MLS to Next Pro loan side. Like yeah. I want to know that MLS roster rule. So, like with Sam Stasekel gone, I mean, is it Bogard? Is it Tenorio? Like who would know that level of detail into that? Because it's not, first of all, it's definitely not uh, clear cut. It's not laid out letter of the law. Here's what you can do with your loan to your affiliate club. It's just the fact that you can make one. We'll ask Bogart and then we can ask the club. I think hopefully, even if it's like after the next match or before the open cup match, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get in there and get that taken care of. That's a big question. And if we don't ask, then who will, you know what I mean? Yeah, should have asked today. It's our nerdy questions. Um, While Riley or while really on um, YouTube, it looks like uh, we talked about Joachim Nilsson earlier. So um, he's still out and he's coming back. He's he's doing well. But listen to the show a little bit earlier on the podcast and you'll catch that answer. Sorry, we're going to move on for now. Ashley Sell. Ashley's been with us a few times. Thanks, Ashley, for this question. Are we getting a show before Tuesday? Are we getting predictions tonight? I should have read that before I said it online. But yeah, I think uh, I'm going to try to get another show in before the next thing. What do you think, Matt? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, Santi and I, I think, are still going to be doing the Flavor Fallout on Monday. I'll, I'll be getting back from Colorado Monday morning, so we're still good for mm-hmm. that. Maybe and, extend okay. it for the Open Cup? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that. I think we could, we could either do a little bit of an extension and kind of call it, or we could just record one and release two episodes or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We're yeah, going to we'll, we'll do something. And it's important because we're talking about scenarios of what happens based on this weekend. So mm-hmm. by the time yeah. Monday afternoon comes, we're going to know who's played on Saturday and we're going to know who's played for city two on Sunday. That's going to greatly inform what a likely roster we send out on Tuesday against Omaha is going to be. Love it. Uh, Tim's bucket hat. This is the last question I think we're going to have tonight. Tim's bucket hat. <laughs> I love, I love that. He's joined us on uh, Twitter. Um, he just listened to the preview and he said it's funny to hear them still saying that our pressing won't work with the altitude. Ha 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 ha. Uh, I agree, right? It worked in RSL, right? So why wouldn't it work here? And it's not a surprise because it worked last year in City 2 for what right. we were doing with that right. team. True. It's, it's another scenario of... This is not our truly first year with this, this system in competition. We've had these trial runs knowing how to travel and what impact that has on players last year. We've been to RSL this year. This we're, we're ahead of the game, and people still don't seem to understand or give credit to that. It's People are falling back on all of these old, oh, it's their first time. It's City's first time going to Colorado, so they're so unfamiliar with what this mm-hmm. entails. It, it's almost like uh, that's the joke of the narrative. That's the 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 thing that really grinds my gears is there's a lack of big picture going on with a lot of these statements. I agree. Yeah, it, it's 
it's amazing uh, to see how the team was able to have CD2 last year and do a dry run on a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. It has really helped, uh, not only the traveling, going to uh, some of these places with altitude, but uh, just getting 10 to 12 of these guys um, acclimated to uh, the system and to st- playing together, training together. It's amazing uh, to see how that has helped the team uh, this year. And how is it, how amazing is it that we can, someone could say, what about the altitude? And we can be like, look at City 2. You know, we have data mm-hmm. already um, going into our first season. That's pretty awesome. And, and Sandy, Utah is only 500 feet lower than Commerce City, Colorado. Oh, so, I thought it was higher. That's my mistake. Yeah, I mean, Colorado is a higher close elevation, still. but they're, close. it's close. It's, five, it's yeah. only 500 feet difference, and we dropped four goals on Real Salt Lake. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, we have about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, we're not on a time constraint necessarily, but um, Matt, I really enjoyed the who scored stuff. I don't know if you want to touch on that or if you want something else first. Oh, yeah. No, that's fun. So the last week we started talking about uh, this kind of website, who scored, and they put together characteristics, strengths, and weaknesses. And so we reviewed what Cities was last week, and it's really not any different as far as their strengths are. They finished their scoring chances, which leads back to the goals versus XG difference in that we finish every chance we get, even if it's a low XG. Um, we're good at coming back from losing positions. We're, and these are all very strong things for us. We're very strong at creating scoring chances and stealing the ball from the opposition. But City is weak in defending counterattacks, very weak in keeping possession, and very weak in avoiding individual errors. The former of that, the possession, is by design. The latter, avoiding individual errors, kind of speaks a lot to me to the first touch that we have in some of our passing sequences where the players just aren't as careful with the ball, probably because they're trying to create chances quickly. So that could be a byproduct of our system. Hmm. Um, Colorado, though, there's not a – and this this kind of goes to the lack of an offensive output or the lack of – you mentioned it earlier, Phil. It was perfect. They're middling in so many stats. Yeah, they really are. And, and this – so their only strength – listed is counterattacks. They're very strong in counterattacks. So that's the Minnesota thing to me of mm-hmm. if they sit back at a low block, if they force you to come at them and then they try to turn the ball over and move it up quickly, even if they they create their turnovers in their defensive third, if they can move the ball quickly in a counterattack and leverage some of their wingers and get the ball into a dangerous zone like it, it, where we only have our two center backs, that could be an issue as they look to find space and holes in our defenders. But Colorado's weaknesses are finishing scoring chances, defending against long shots. And the finishing scoring chances is a direct correlation back to their um, underperforming their XG. So if they if they have an XG of about 10 and a half and they've only scored five goals, that's 10 and a half for the season, by the way, and they've only scored five goals, they're terrible at finishing their opportunities. They should, be, they should have scored double based on uh, expected for and a reminder, XG is really uh, the chance of scoring a goal based on where you are on the field, the type of shot, um, the pressure you're facing, and also a historical context to your efficiency in in finishing. And so knowing that Colorado also has a uh, weakness against defending long shots also plays very well into city style, where both on the ground and in the air, we will we'll pass the ball up, but Carnell mentioned today, hearkening back to Akil Watts's goal last year, City 2 against Rapids, Akil Watts' strike from a missile outside the 18. 
City has City is tied for the lead in goals outside of the 18 this year. We're very strong. We're, we're strong all around in scoring goals, but there is a propensity to score from outside the box um, in in conjunction with our overall scoring. And so knowing that they're weak against long shots bodes really well for an Indiana Vasilev or an Edward Leuven or even a Klaus who has goals from outside the 18. We were top of scoring outside the box with City 2 as well. And I just thought that was an Akil Watts thing, but I guess it's not. It could just be a City thing. That's interesting. Yeah. What do you guys think about all of that? What, any of the strengths and weaknesses that make sense to you guys for both teams? Does it remind you of anything else this season? I, last week I kind of compared it to AI, where it's like based on whatever information it has, it's kind of drawing it its own conclusions. So, Yeah, I mean, the first one on there for weaknesses is, you know, defending counterattacks, and we saw that on their uh, Cincy goal last week was when Isaac Jensen uh, lost the ball yeah. and uh, Pedro wasn't Pedro actually stepped up, but he got chipped over and really and that, that counter was just really well done by Cincinnati. But, mm-hmm. you know, when we play that style, it's going to be natural that we're going to be uh, weak that way. So that's not something that necessarily worries me. Can I ask a, a, a selfish question? Um, I'm, I didn't watch closely enough to know, um, any conclusions about Pedro after this, his first performance? Any thoughts on what he did? He almost had an assist. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think I think he he did well. Um, he, I would say he yeah, didn't look bad. Played. That's for sure. I would have noticed that. Yeah, and um, last year when when he played with City too, I know uh, when we talk in our DMs, uh, in some games we're a little bit disappointed with with the way he played, but. But I really like what what I saw from him, and as Matt said, uh, he almost had an assist. Even on on Cincinnati's goal, uh, if uh, Jensen had given the ball to a wide open Pedro, he could have had another assist or maybe a scoring chance. But no, I I think he did well, and uh, I expect to see him on Tuesday uh, playing against Union Omaha. Very quick, uh, because I, I, I don't want to forget. Um, one thing that caught my attention about Colorado, it's um, that for their style of play, uh, there is a long balls mentioned here. And that's something um, that City has struggled struggle a bit with. Uh, against Seattle, Seattle used the long ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Even against Cincinnati, when the game was 1-0, to zero, uh, the Cincinnati's best chance in the game was a, a long ball that um, that um, Sergio, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he uh, basically Berkey was outside Santos. of uh, yeah Sergio Santos. He had a chance to basically put it over Berkey and ended up going uh, to the side. So uh, have to keep an eye on the long ball since uh, that's something uh, Colorado looks like uh, they use that a lot. That's a good one. Thank you. Anything else? Any? We got about five ten minutes. There's a lot more information here on this on this page. Any more stats that we haven't looked at, or any lineup thoughts? I had some keys to the game that really kind of I tried to wrap it all up in a lot of the stuff we've talked about, a lot of the strengths and weaknesses. Um, one is obviously outlast the altitude because it's still there. It's not I think as prevalent of an issue like we've talked about at nauseum, but it's there. 
um, defend the counterattacks. So knowing that it's going to be it's going to be what we see. Colorado is going to try to force us to possess the ball a lot more than we're comfortable with. Um, if we can not do that, and at the same time uh, defend the counterattacks that will be coming at uh, Nelson, Hebert, and Parker a lot. That that's going to be the key to preventing them to have opportunities. For us, we need to create quick chances in behind their defense. So as, as they're going to drop a lot of players into the box, and if we can find space, and if we can't find space, then we need to be using our wide attacking mids to break them down, delivering strong crosses. So pulling them out of the box and creating some of those chances if we need to in the around the 18-yard line. And so having some of those crosses or, or second chances, especially because we, we know we can win duels. We need to win duels. That's another key. But if we can have some of those second chances, similar to how um, Stroud and Leuven scored their goals, where they were true second chances, bouncing back to players near the outside of the box. That's where our, the bread and butter, I think, is going to come for St. Louis and why players like Leuven or Vasilev or Klaus are, are going to have a lot of opportunities to send some strikes in. All right, you guys know what time it is? It's Open Cup time. Time to talk about Open Cup. I almost forgot to do this, but, um, you know, the Open Cup to me is one of the best, um, one of the best tournaments in the world, and in the at least in the United States, um, and definitely the best tournament in, in soccer in the United States. And so... You look at that and you look at what we love to tout here in St. Louis, which is our Open Cup history. Because when it comes to us being one of the first soccer cities in the country, the Open Cup was the only legitimate real tournament that wasn't kind of a homegrown, thrown together, this is a bunch of teams deciding to play each other, um, which is awesome too. And a lot of St. Louisans went to those games too which is a really cool thing to think about, a really cool grassroots soccer kind of thing to ha- that was happening in the early 1900s. Um, but, you know, the Open Cup's always been there. It's always been a real tournament, and we've won it several times. Stuart, what's the, uh, what's the big phrase about us having more Open Cup? I don't know, the funeral home thing? <laughs> uh, we have funeral homes with more Open Cup wins than you do. Thank you. And your team does, that's my favorite one. But, of course, you know, if you guys haven't been to the History Museum, you got to go look at that, that thing they set up about the history of, of St. Louis soccer. Yep. And uh, we like to tout it, and we like to throw the soccer capital thing around, and we like to get mad at Sporting Kansas City for trying to claim it for bad reasons. But you know what? I'm looking at SeatGeek right now. There are $20 tickets available. I don't know if that includes mm-hmm. fees. I may be wrong. Some people got on to me about that. But without fees, $20 tickets for this Open Cup game against Union Omaha. I'm looking at the stadium picture. There are maybe 20 or 30 sections sold out. That means there are tons of tickets available right now. And this is the cheapest ticket you can get to St. Louis City SC all season as far as so far, right? Um, yep. As far as SeatGeek tells you. So if we claim to be one of the best soccer cities in the country and we have such an amazing history with the open cup i think this game should be sold out and i don't think that's going to happen i'm starting to realize that and come to terms with it but i'm a little sad st louis i think we can do better and i'm i'm excited for this game 
And I think the people who go are going to be experiencing the magic of the cup. And, uh, you know, I just hate when people start asking questions like, well, who's going to play? Is it our starters? I mean, I'm getting flashbacks of St. Louis FC in the Open Cup right now because they're like, who are our players? I don't know any of our players. I hate those comments. I'm sorry, but support your city, guys. Support St. Louis soccer. Even if it's not St. Louis City, we got such amazing amateur teams in this city. Um, and, and, and just not selling this game out is really bugging me. And so I just wanted to make sure I said something about it. If you can't go, I understand kids. I understand family. I understand work. I understand it's midweek. But if you can go, go. If you can't and you're a season ticket hit, uh, holder, I love I, I saw some tweets about people who bought tickets and handed them over to someone else so they could go to the game. Do yeah. that, you know. I've got several tickets, and if I couldn't go, I'd hand them out and try to give them away. And I might, I've might i thought about buying five more and just handing them to someone. So anyway, um, I just wanted to kind of encourage everybody to do what they can to kind of get to this game and support St. Louis City and support the Open Cup, which is you know such a historical uh, tournament. Um, that's the end of my rant. I just wanted to get that in today. Any other thoughts, guys? Yeah, for, I know I hogged them for, out there. For anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to go to the stadium, this is your chance. As Phil said, uh, $20 is $24 with fees, uh, but it's still a good price. And um, if you haven't been to the stadium, this is your chance. Um, I hope there is a good turnout. Um, I don't think it's, it's going to be a, a sellout, uh, but I hope people show up and support the team, regardless of who starts the game. It's It will still be competitive and a good chance to uh, be at the stadium for anybody who hasn't been. Yeah, the stadium piece. So I I was all up about City 2 selling out the tickets that they had because I figured there are there is a massive wait list that exists for City. Mm-hmm. And and you I attributed some of that to the stadium and the new the newness of it all. And wanting to be in, wanting to see that, and a lot of the secondary market ticket prices being because people want to be in the stadium, they want to experience it for the first time. I had a, a real strong uh, bucket of cold water when that section that was open that could have sat, I think, three, four thousand, maybe or yeah, two or three, two or four thousand, but it only yeah. sat two, less than two thousand at that first City Two game. So I, I just ha- have had a complete reframing of people's interest in going to see matches at city park. And I don't mean that people aren't interested in seeing the stadium and going to it, but in a way it is, it's more reassuring to me that there, the, the fervor around what we're seeing is a lot of focused around our first team and the product that we're putting out on the field. We could talk all day about what would have happened if we had gone 0-6, 0-7, 0-8, would we have sellouts? Would we have people upset and all that stuff? But the fact that we're having these constant sellouts for City, we don't sell out the 3,000 or so seats for City 2 at all, not even close now. We aren't going to have a sellout for the U.S. Open Cup. I don't know. It's just, I don't know what my point really is here. It's just, it's di- it's different framing that what I was originally thinking of the stadium is enough to get people in at a low price because city two's tickets are 13 bucks, Mm. 10 bucks. If you're a season ticket holder and the open cup tickets are $20 to get in $50 for a together credit union club seat 
which is insane. Wow. And and it's not going to sell out. And so I had I threw questions out here like, do people just not know enough about what this is? Like, do do people not understand what the U.S. Open Cup is and why we're even competing in it? What our history in St. Louis is with it? Does the broader audience not know that? Because at some point, I, I feel like a lot of the things that we are most passionate about exist in our bubble and that it doesn't break through to the mm-hmm. larger mainstream sports fan in St. Louis. Do people just not care about this side tournament and people are major league fans and they care about the major league competition. And so this other competition in its uh, historic nature, in its ability for any team in the entire U S soccer pyramid to compete, it's just not a draw for that crowd. Uh, Do people just think it'll be a rotated city side. And so they know and expect a version of city two. And that's what they have in their mind. And they're like, I'm not going to spend my Tuesday night going to see that. I'd rather wait for, and spend a little more to go see the main city team that is first in the league, the major league on the weekend. Like, I don't know. I, I tend to think that second aspect of, and it gets to the point, unfortunately of the sports fan in St. Louis tends to be a major league sports fan and what that mindset carries into it when you're not playing the, the presumed major league version of your team like major league soccer competition is that i don't know well regardless whoever shows up better bring it because uh <laughs> union omaha fans will travel well and they yes. will bring it mm-hmm. they, they, have, are coming. Uh, they have buses coming from omaha yep they are really excited to see city park just like uh every visiting fan is and for anyone who's not aware if you don't know what the U S open cup is uh, the easiest way to compare it would be just think March madness a little bit on steroids because you have amateur teams. You can have bar teams uh, of just friends get together, can qualify and you win a couple of games and you get to play against an MLS team. And how incredible is that? And sometimes those bar teams beat the MLS teams. Sometimes the USL teams or the NASL just, uh, lower league teams underneath MLS, sometimes they win. Sometimes they make big runs. So it's it's the ultimate Cinderella story you can get in uh, U.S. sports is in the U.S. Open Cup. That's that's why we feel so strongly and so passionately about it. How long before the National Soccer League gets in play? Uh, National <laughs> Soccer League? Uh, well, I think they're working um, on their third round of NFTs right now. Uh, I, ha- I had to. I'm sorry. That's well said, Stuart. I'm, I'm glad you were much more positive about it. I, I agree with you. That's the best way to think about it. But and just to wrap that up, um, I also was surprised how many people still don't know what the Open Cup is, and there's no judgment there. I actually think that might be um, – that's on us maybe. Maybe we need an Open Cup podcast episode i think maybe in the off season we need to hit that up pretty hard and do as deep a dive as mls 201 so um, yeah maybe we'll, we'll do that real quick the on the selling it front Stu, don't give everything away but if for a typical fan either of city or who just knows city and mls are they going to see carbon copy the exact same thing that they're used to seeing with no other bells and whistles when they come to this match against omaha uh no i mean they'll they'll see some things that we bring and we present um, but you'll also see a normal march of the match. I know uh, Luligans, Punks, uh, Florida Noise, Santos are, 
are planning some things. Um, well, you know, we're, we're very proud of our, our history here and yep. with the Open Cup, and we'll display it in a way that we can. It's special to see, I'll say that. So yeah. one of the things that, that hooked me initially with St. Louis FC back in 2015 are were those Open Cup runs because they provide, from a lower league perspective, they provide something that is entirely special and entirely different and new. From a St. Louis perspective, it's something similar. And being able to... For let me let me liken it to Cardinals fans who love 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 to look back at the history and glory of the St. Louis Cardinals and their eleven World Series champions, their their cons, their numerous Hall of Famers. That exists in the history of St. Louis soccer, and the Open Cup is the way that we can display that to the world. Agree, and on top of that, you know when I was I was obsessed with the Cardinals and. I knew like every good player on the double A, triple A, and even lower teams. And so this is a good way to like really get to know the players that are up and coming. Like we are going to use those players playing for city too. And, and the goal is to, is to do that um, for multiple reasons that we can go into in another time. So, you know, if you want to nerd out about your, your local team, that's the best way to do it. But that's it from us tonight, guys. Everybody, thank you so much for uh, listening. We're excited to talk more about the open cup excited to talk more about this rapids game after it happens hopefully you guys feel a little more educated and we've had a good time together talking about nerdy soccer stuff uh phil matt baker santiago stewart thanks for listening we're out bye bye